Welcome. You are listening to the Cover to Cover podcast, lively conversations with cutting edge authors, hosted by Mary Elizabeth Jackson. Mary is an author, advocate, and educator. Join us to find your new favorite author, book, or inspiration. And now, here's Mary. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cover to Cover. I'm your hostess, Mary Elizabeth Jackson, and you are listening to the podcast that you never want to miss. I have an incredible author on today. I'm so excited. This is our first interview, and she's a debut author, so it makes it really extra special. So we want to uh, share her and uh, let you become a new fan of hers for a long time. I have Jeanette Myas Samwell on today. She does go by the pen name Etenig Siam. So, and, and she might tell us why during the interview and explain like why she did that, because, you know, everyone has a different reason if they use a pen name, which I think is really cool. She was born in Haiti. She grew up in New Jersey. She has a master's in French and she has worked in law for a long time and then totally jumped off the boat and has gone into the writing world. So she has a very interesting journey. Everyone's journey is different. This is unique to her. And so I can't wait for her to share it with us. So Jeanette, come on up and um, say hi to everybody. Hello. Hello. Thank you for inviting me. I'm okay. happy to be here. Um, it's snowing in, in Massachusetts. So, you know, it's a nice, t- nice time, I guess. Yes, um, absolutely. You I live know. in a very historical part of the United States. I do. Yes. I do. Yes. <laughs> I've been to Marblehead in Boston. I've been to, to Bo- I've been to Marblehead for 4th of July. So it's so patriotic up there. It's really, it's quite an experience. Yeah. It's also, it, you know, it has a, you know, um, a spiritual quality to it too. Like once upon a time, I used to do those docent tours in on Beacon Hill, um, you know, take people by the state house and, you know, all these historic places. And one of my favorite parts of the tour was um, there's a big, you know, I don't know, a tower and, or a hill. And I would say that, you know, the, the early settlers, they, when they came to Boston, they really considered Boston as like Jerusalem. Um, wow. Yeah. You know, it's a special place for so many people for so many reasons. Um, so I, I'm very lucky to live here. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, my dad and stepmom used to own the Baker's home that was a Marblehead. It was built in 1772. Wow. <laughs> so that was quite an experience to be in that home and know the history of that home and everything. Uh, and I love it up in that area. Well, you have had an interesting journey in your life. How in the world did you like, was it one day you decided I'm going to be an author <laughs> or somebody said, Hey, you're a great writer or a great speaker. I like the way you tell stories you should be an author. What is your story? Interesting. Um, I'm someone I think I've always wanted to write. Um, but it was just something that, you know, just didn't happen. And maybe I tunneled that interest um, by studying literature. And I studied French literature, you know, and I studied in France. Um, and they have like a whole different relationship to books and the writing process and fast forward um, when I uh, wrote Aaron and Elise it was during a period of 
time um, when I was going through a lot of personal drama. Um, my mother uh, was in Florida and um, she was dealing with dementia and I needed to move her um, from um, Florida to New Jersey, to New Jersey, where the rest of the family is. And I live in Massachusetts and my daughters, they were about three years old and, you know, everything was just like chaos. I lived in my pajamas. I lived in the kitchen, you know, <laughs> yes. just trying to like coordinate everything. And um Actually, yeah, so that's, you know, and I heard something on NPR, and it just kind of made me stop and think. Um, And it was about um, educated single women who will never get married and never have children. Um, So that was the impetus for Aaron and Elise. Um, And when was this? This was probably about 2011. So like I said, in the midst of uh, of chaos, um, I was inspired to write this particular story. And this particular story actually wrote itself, (laughs) you know, because within two weeks, I basically had the bones of the story. But back up a little bit. um, This was, you know, 2010. I was one of the, the, I was laid off from my um, compliance job. I worked for a financial services um, doing legal compliance and so, you know, that was my my um, signal, I guess, to stay home and, you know, be with the kids because they were young. And that's actually when I started writing. So it would have been about two years before I wrote Aaron and Elise. And believe it or not, I started with fan fiction. Wow. Okay. Because I thought... Because I thought, oh, my God, I've never written anything. <laughs> right. Um, like, like, where do I start? What do I do? Um, and it was fan fiction. And wait for it. Drum roll. Uh, it was um, based on the Twilight series. Oh, wow. So you, you've done a whole like, I mean, you're this is a huge pivot because we want, you know, we want, we're talking about, you know, her book is Aaron and Elise. Yes. And, and it's based on the Bible story of Sarah and Abraham. So she's yes. taken it and written it into a beautiful story. You can find it on Amazon and anywhere books are sold. And go ahead, continue. Yes. So yes. So anyway, that's sort of answering the question, how did I begin writing? And the answer is actually, you know, um, fan fiction. And once I got the confidence of just writing, then I started writing several different stories, um, just kind of as a way to, as a kind of therapy to deal with what was going on in, with my life. And as I said, the impetus for Aaron and Elise came with that um, national public radio story about educated, in this case, it was educated Black women, but, you know, highly educated women who will never get married, um, never have children. And it just gave me pause. And so probably that night or the next day, um, I started thinking about that. And that's kind of the context for the retelling of the, you know, Sarah and Abraham story, because my character, Elise, um, it be, the, the book begins with her turning 50. And that's usually kind of the symbolic age for Sarah, even though, you know, I think the Bible says, you know, she's 90, but um, like in different parts of the world, when they celebrate 50, a woman turning 50, um, Sarah is the image of the woman, you know, 
kind of reaching that stage. Yeah. Um, and so the Elise character, the Elise character is that prototype of that radio show. She's turning 50. She's never been married. She's never had children. And it's something that she regrets. And so the story begins with the woman coming to terms with a major milestone in her life. And she's trying her best um, to navigate this. Um, and then, um, you know, the rest of it is now a study of what does uh, romance look like with older people? So the person she's going to fall in love with is even older. He's in his 60s, <laughs> um, you know, and, and he has you know, been married. He's a widower. Um, he has, you know, a daughter. Um, when we meet him in the book, Aaron is also kind of in a transition um, stage. So his wife has probably been dead uh, for a few years and he's learning how to be single um, you know, he's got missteps, but at the point that he meets Elise, um, you know, he's not necessarily looking, he's just going about, you know, his life. And so on that, that, that theme of older, mature love, um, from the very beginning, I wanted it so that he's hiking and Elise is not a hiker. You know, she's just doing this because she realizes, oh, I'm turning 50 and I need, you know, need to mark a milestone. Um, and what's interesting about her is that she is someone who doesn't color her hair. And I did that on purpose. Mm. Um, you know, uh, so when they meet, she's a clumsy hiker. She falls, but he's following behind and he notices her, but he only sees her from behind. And so based on her hair, he assumes she's, an elderly person, <laughs> you know, like, you know, he thinks this person is probably older than he is. Let's put it that way. That's funny. Um, and, and, and again, it's the combination of the gray hair and the awkwardness with which she, she's hiking because she's never done it before. Um, and so he, he sees her falling. And so he rushes to help her. And it's only when he extends the hand and he's pulling her up, he's like, oh, whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute here. This is not who I thought she would be. Um, and so, you know, just to give that visual image, you know, just imagine like someone like Halle Berry with like white hair and you pretty much have Elise. Mm. So he's looking at her face. She's like, Oh, wait, whoa, Oh, okay. Okay. I can work with this. Um, and so at the beginning of their encounter though, um, you know, there's tentativeness on her part because, you know, She's not there for romance. She's just, you know, trying to mark a milestone and, you know, you know, have fun and then go about her, her merry way. Um, he sees in her a potential partner. And the reason why I say it that way is that, you know, um, I think mature people, they know. They know what they want. Like by the time you, you reach 50, you pretty much know who you like, who you don't like. Um, it's set. Um, and so for him, he he's a little perplexed why the normal kind of, I don't know, vibe or communication isn't working with her. And so I wrote it so that it's humorous, but also kind of real. 
um, for someone who hasn't been in the, you know, the dating scene, it must be incredibly daunting. Um, like you're so used to sort of being in your own zone. You're not used to someone, you know, giving you that kind of attention. And especially if you're a woman, because so many women will say, oh, I turned 40 and people stopped looking at me. I became invisible. So Elise is used to being invisible. Mm. Um, and, and so she doesn't really know what to make of Aaron's attention. Yeah, you wouldn't, right? When you've been, you know, when you haven't had it, you don't really know what to do with it. I want to ask you that that radio show um, excerpt that you heard from NPR, did they give a reason why women who are successful, educated, did you, do you remember why? That kind of dawned on me there for a second. Did they give a reason why? They must have, I don't remember because I was so focused on (laughs) like, you know, the, the stats. I don't even remember the stats, but it was enough that it literally made me freeze. Right. It really grabbed your attention. It it really did. Well, and I was wondering, you know, I always ask this question, um, the characters in your book, do any of them reflect anyone in your life? Yes and no. You know, yes and no. So, um, like the the idea of making Elise a teacher, um, she she teaches at a private school, um, and she teaches French and Spanish. That actually does come from a friend of mine. So I, okay. I won't mention her name, right. um, but the, her story, her path, um, it is um, kind of my my lived experience. Like I know so many women who are like Elise, Mm. so many women. Um, And including like in the very beginning, I kind of, you know, in the prologue of the book, um, I talk about Elise's journey, um, you know, on her way to turn 50. And one of them is, and this is, I don't know if it's so much a thing in, you know, outside of new England or the Northeast, but it's fairly common that, you know, women of a certain age will try to go it alone and go for fertility treatments and try to conceive alone. Right. Um, and that's her journey. Um, and it, it didn't work for her. And so as she's turning 50, she's also dealing with that. Um, and I know so many women who, who have done that. You know, some succeeded, some failed. That's a hard, it's a hard journey. I mean, you know, I, I'm an older mom with my youngest and I, I know when I went in, I mean, I was 44 and then I turned 45 and I remember saying, is this legal? Is this going to be okay? Right. You know, we had a chuckle about that, but they said to me, well, actually we have women who come in here all the time and they may be in their next marriage, you know, and the husband's never had children. They want to give that to him and they're 50 years old. Wow. And, and I was really surprised to hear that because, you know, we, we hear so much about how the older you get, the harder it is, you know, there's more, the more dangerous it is, all yes. of those things. So to think that somebody would go do that on purpose at the age of 50, when we're supposed to be calming down and going into maybe that second phase of our lives and, you know, not chasing 
a toddler, not doing the diapers and the the spit up and the no showers and no sleep. And, you know, it is not, I will tell you from my own experience, it's not for the older people like us to be doing. Okay. No. Yeah. No. So, so Elise would have gone through that during, like in her forties. Right. Um, and so, you know, that's the, you know, that's the lead up to what will happen, you know, between her and, and Aaron and, you know, the shock and, you know, I don't want to give, much more away but that's sort of the big catalyst in in the novel um two very very accomplished successful people and they have a great relationship and they're you know showing that you know in your second stage of life you can still have a marvelous time and marvelous relationship and then the thing that they never thought would happen happens um, and in here, this is where I start to look at the juxtaposition of, of I don't know, of, of faith and science. Aaron is a man of science. Elise is a woman of, of letters. Um, and they look at life differently. And so when the unexpected happen, their different backgrounds are going to come clashing. Um, and it's a look at, okay, um, we look at, we all know what the drama, love drama looks like with young people. What does it look like when you have a mature couple and how do they get past it? And the answer for me is that each of them turns to faith. That's how they get through it. Um, it's not because the, the fact that they love each other is not enough. It's not enough. Um, and, you know, the other thing that's interesting is that when I started, I told you the impetus for this book was, you know, hearing this scary statistic about, you know, women. Um, so at the outset, this was a book about a woman. What ended up happening is that actually it's in a way also a, a book about, uh, about men or about a man in his second stage of life. Um, because the way I look at it is that between the two of them, he's the one who changes the most. Mm. He's the one who has the greatest journey. Um, and if I use the, you know, the story of, of Sarah and Abraham to sort of talk about um, Elise's uh, journey for Aaron, it's the Boston Marathon. Um, in the Boston Marathon, if you've ever watched it or if you've ever run it, um, you come at about mile, what is it, mile 18, mile 20, mile 20, um, Heartbreak Hill. That's really what it's called, Heartbreak Hill. Hmm. Um, I ran it once. <laughs> it's oh, wow. not a joke. Hmm. Um, and and, and when, when you get to Heartbreak Hill, like, you know, the first half mile, in the first you know, 12, 13 miles, it's adrenaline, you're cruising, okay? Um, and it's the latter half where all that training is going to come into play. So if you didn't train, you didn't practice, you're going to just crash by the right. time you hit Heartbreak Hill. And, and for him, um, he is a runner. That's how he keeps in shape. Um, and as he's dealing with these new realities, um, he goes through his own you know, marathon. He runs it. He runs the marathon, but personally he lives it. Um, and the Aaron character is a 
composite of lots of different men that I've met. Um, like one of the many things that I did was um, um, serve as the opener for the Y, for the YMCA. So I would be the one to open the doors for the master swimmers. So I would get there at 4.30 in the morning and open the door at five. Um, and a lot of men, a lot of you know, men would come in you know, as swimmers or they're working out. And I'm the kind of person, for whatever reason, people always like to tell me their stories. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm a good listener. Uh, so I've met so many middle-aged men, and, you know, and I would just hear their stories. And Aaron, for me, is like a composite of lots of different people. Um, and in many ways, his voice is strongest. Um, I, I am one of those writers where um, the characters talk to you, like you can hear them. They're real. Yeah. Uh, he's the loudest. <laughs> he's the loudest. That's um, awesome. You know, it's great to be able to use um, life experience and put them in your book for it to give you, you know, stuff that that gives you purpose for writing, but gives you details and, and things to work from. And, um, this, you know, I can't wait to, um, you know, I'm going to share this book with some people that I know. Um, and we are talking to Etnig Siam. That is her pen name and her <laughs> book is called, and I hope I pronounced it right. Her book is called Aaron and Elise. It's Thank based you. on, it's based on Sarah and Abraham in the Bible and Aaron on the title is actually spelled A-R-E-N. So if you're putting it in to look for it on Amazon, it's A-R-E-N, not A-R-O-O-N, like Aaron is, you know, a lot of times spelled. Um, and it's a gorgeous cover. I want to ask you about your cover. Did you, ah. yeah, was this your idea? Did you pitch it out to someone and like they came back with this? Well, um, this was like the original concept actually came from the first publisher. Um, and they had a giant heart and it had a, like a puzzle, but it just didn't do it for me. Um, and so I have a friend, um, she's French and she's an artist. And I said, okay, this is what they gave me. What can you come up with? Mm. And what I love about her process is that she read my manuscript um, and we know each other. And so she completely understood the Elise character. Um, and then she came up with this. So this is basically in the background. It's Lake Champlain. I don't know oh, if you can nice. see it. Yes. Well, right. you can't see it on camera. Okay. I mean, on, on the podcast. Right. But yes, I'm looking at the cover right now. And it really. Right. And on the back, I don't know if you can see the cross. Oh, it's beautiful. The back um, is gorgeous. So, the cross, um, and I asked her to put the cross there because it symbolizes the Armenian um, cross stone. Mm. And, and there's a lot of discussion in, in the book about the Armenian cross stone. And this represents um, Aaron's background because he's Armenian. Nice. Uh, why did I choose an Armenian? It's, 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 well, it's one of those things. It spoke to me. Aaron said, I'm Armenian. <laughs> I'm like, okay. Right. And so there are, in, in there are parts in the book where you actually speak, you have a different language in the book, correct? Yes. 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 
Yes. So I read one of the reviews and the gentleman was talking about, oh, it kind of gave me some, you know, a little education with the, the, you know, with the French in there. And so that's wonderful to yeah. um, add that, like that element to the book. So we are talking on cover to cover with Etnig Siam. This is her debut novel. You got to support her. Go out and get the book. Aaron and Elise, it is a romance and uh, it's a beautiful story about being a bit older in life, finding love, finding um, unex unexpected surprises in your life, right? And it's based on Aaron, um, um, Abraham and Sarah in the Bible. And yeah. do you have uh, the next book planned? Are you working on it? Or what do you have a project you're working on? I do. Um, the next book, number two, is called Seraphin Stone. Seraphin Stone? Um, Seraphin Stone. So okay. Seraphin, you know, it, you know, in the sense of the angels, mm. and then Stone the Rock. And it happens to be both the names of the two characters, uh, Marie-Ange uh, Seraphin and David Stone. Um, and it's a play on the imagery of, you know, the, what is celestial and what is earthly. Um, and this one, Seraphim Stone, is more of a coming of age story. And funny enough, I, I you know, I told you in the very beginning that um, I really started writing um, using fan fiction um, based on the Twilight series. Um, Seraphim Stone was the very first thing that I wrote. And oh, okay. it was based on that fan fiction. No, it has nothing to do with vampires. <laughs> it doesn't. Um, but what interested me in the um, Twilight series was the idea that a 17, 18 year old girl would give up her life to commit. Um, to the Edward character. That's the, you know, uh, Twilight story. And right. so I thought, hmm, what, what does that say about our young women today? Um, are they able to commit? And again, this is not about vampires or scary. Right. right. Um, it's about relationships. It's about relationships. And that was the impetus for um, Seraph and Stone um, and also I was looking, you know, my, my daughters were, you know, toddlers and I was actively thinking about what kind of future are they going to have? And this is how it ties a little bit to the Elise character. Um, I don't come right out and say it, but Elise has followed that blueprint of career, 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 career first. Um, and then when you get around to it, you know, you can get married and have children. Um, I'm saying in Seraph and Stone, what happens if you turn the tables and you have a young woman who actually meets the right person? What does that look like? Mm -hmm, um, yes. so that's that's Seraph and Stone. And that's the key, um, meets the right person. Yes. So that is actively, let's see, um, I'm in the process of writing the outline for the um, revisions and I hope to be able to submit it for um, editing sometime in March. Hmm. And hopefully it will, you know, be ready to publish sometime in June, July. Oh, exciting. Exciting. Okay. Well, 
Before we wrap up, what I want to do is ask you a question real quick. Where can people find you? What is the best way for people to find you? You can find Erin and Delise at um, Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Those are the like principal places. Um, Ewing's publishing.com um, should have it. And also um, Bookside Press. Um, they would also have it. And how can um, people I, find I have you? The ability? Huh? Yeah. Oh. How can people find you? Like um, they want I, to connect with you. I'm on Twitter. <laughs> okay. I'm on Twitter, but with um, Ethnic Siam. So okay. if you go on Twitter or uh, Facebook or even YouTube um, and you type in Ethnic Siam, E-T-T-E-N-I-G, and then S-A-Y-A-M, you'll find me. Yes. And I will put all that in the description so people can see the spelling and be able to go find you. So again, we're here cover to cover today with a t- Nick Siam, her <laughs> pin pin name for Jeanette Myas Samuel, which I think it's awesome to have a pin name and um, her book, um, her debut book, actually, Aaron and Elise, it is based off Abraham and Sarah in the Bible. It's a romance and it's about, we can't call it coming of age because they're older. So <laughs> it's a romance after 50 and the yeah. beautiful, the beautiful journey of all that. So please go get her book, share her book, share it with others, become a fan. And uh, we'll be back soon with another amazing author on cover to cover. So thank you so much for being here with me today. I hope you had a good time. Thank you. And we'll be back soon. Blessings, everyone. Thank you for being a part of our audience today. Please subscribe, like, and share the podcast with your friends and tune in for the next episode of cover to cover for all things in the author world.